Hello again to our admiring public. Welcome back to another weekly episode, or semi-weekly episode now, I guess, because we missed we missed a week. We, we, we apologize. Know. We know. When my co-host is being very nice and he's saying we, and what he means is I have been laid low by the plague, round two, COVID, kicking my ass <clears throat> but uh, we miss you, and I wasn't going to take a half month off. That's ridiculous. Hashtag work ethic. Yes. Hashtag work ethic. Thank you very much. Hashtag fuck the plague. Hashtag I got this. So uh, I'm bringing my deep and sexy COVID gifted voice to you. Yeah, baby. Um, little raspy. I might be it's coughing. Production value. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll try and edit out the coughs. Yeah, yeah. To do edit out the coughs if you can. I'm on cough drops. It's only doing so much. I'm sweaty. I've got fever dreams. I got ringing in my ears. I'm dizzy. Some I can't people see pay well. good money to have those sort of effects. <laughs> pay good money. Go into heavy debt because they want to experience that on a regular basis. <laughs> ah, I experience this by going grocery shopping. Oh God, the gift that keeps on giving. However, I'm not a quitter. Hashtag work ethic, and we are here to once again. Bring the magic to your ears. That's right. We have so much magic for you. Are you guys ready for some ear magic? I'm ready. Are you ready? Well, I'm going to assume that everybody at home just gave us a resounding yes, give us the ear magic. I'm starting off this week. Uh, a couple weeks back, I brought up the rapture, that how we have not yet been raptured. And I wish I knew then what I know now is that the rapture is actually very traumatic for a lot of people. Did you know this? I didn't know this it's, until I read an it's article. Traumatic, as in it's happened and people have post rapture trauma? As in it hasn't happened and people have rapture anxiety, is what they call oh. it. It's, it's lumped in under a newish, a newer syndrome called religious trauma syndrome. This is when people who grew up in really restrictive religious environments and were told from a very young age that something could possibly happen they live with this anxiety and after they leave whatever religious sect they were living in when they're adults and they realize hey this is kind of bullshit and maybe this isn't real they'll live with this anxiety for a long time so rapture anxiety i was reading this whole article about it is a real thing so if you can imagine yourself being a child growing up in one of these extremely religious fundamentalist groups that believe in rapture and from a from the time you were a child you're told at any moment Jesus, it's gonna happen yes, Jesus could come back and anybody who has sinned will not be coming with us like I know when we talked about it before you were talking about how you're on a porn set and you stopped and paused and were like well I we guess the rapture waiting. hasn't happened but you weren't the kind of people who were going to be raptured you guys were sinners. You guys were making the dirty, filthy porn. So, of course, the rapture is not going to happen on your porn set. No, no, no. But we did take a pause to check in to see if it had happened. Mm -hmm. We were like, this is officially, this is the date, this is the time, this is the moment he said it was going to happen. And we did bust out our phones. and To make sure the rest of the world was still yeah. there, not just yeah, yeah. you. Because, of course, you're going to expect right, that no. you're left behind. Right. You're well, part of the left behind. All the fun people are left behind. Yeah. Hashtag fun time on earth. Uh -huh, I, uh -huh. I actually welcome all of the like hardcore religious fundamentalists just be taken bye away. Bye. Go, go have fun in heaven where nothing happens, nothing changes, like the talking heads say. 
You just get to hang out with your family. It's like Thanksgiving oh, for eternity. Every day. That's, that's, for that's, eternity. I love that idea of heaven. It's like Thanksgiving always. For always. But not the good part of Thanksgiving. No. How many people, How you, you say that, oh, my family, so precious, my family. How many of you all are sneaking out to smoke a joint in the garage or take a nip in a flask in the driveway to deal with your family? Mm-hmm. Now imagine heaven being like that forever, but there's no garages to nip in. There's to no smoke marijuana. There's nothing you no. bad you can do. Nothing no, to alleviate just, the stress of constantly having to be good all the time with your family forever. But this is the stress that they focus on. Is if you could imagine you're one of these kids and you think if you do anything that's sinful, if you have premarital sex, if you take the Lord's name in vain, anything like that. The rapture could come down and happen, and then your whole family, everyone you love who are good, pure, non-sinning people will be taken away, and you're completely left alone. And they actually worry about this because you would believe it. Everything you know, you only know it because somebody else has told it to you. And there's no real way you can validate it if you're limited by the information you're given, right? It's this whole 1984 scenario. It's just like whoever controls the information controls people's reality and what they think of the reality. So I've done some research on this, and I came across some interviews of children who had been raised this way, Mm -hmm. and they actually said that they would shower really quickly Mm -hmm. out of a fear that if the rapture happened, they'd be naked. Or if they were going to the bathroom, they would try try to rush going to the bathroom really quickly. They don't want to be while raptured. (laughs) If it happens while they're in the middle of dropping a deuce, so like they would- I want to clean butts if I'm going to heaven. Well, they, so they would be like trying if it happens right this second. So they would actually try to go to the bathroom really quickly, shower really quickly, just uh-huh. be ready and on and presentable at all times. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, what if I'm picking my nose when the rapture happens? Yeah. They wouldn't want to be caught doing any sort of, and, and so that's a whole added level of stress. That's, of like, that's my point, though, is that they're yeah. living under a constant anxiety, depression, paranoia, and it becomes this OCD-like behavior because yes. if it's something that could happen at any moment, if I told you at any moment there is a 100% chance that a plane's going to fall into your house, like because you're just told this, like Jesus is coming back at some point. He's going to take everybody away who is a non-sinner. It's guaranteed it's going to happen, but you have no idea when it's going to happen. Yeah, it does start to affect your day-to-day behavior, yeah. and it causes a lot of stress. Yeah. And what I didn't know is that kids in these societies would fuck with other kids in these societies to make them think that they were raptured. So what they would do, and this is so fucked up because kids can be really fucked up sometimes. So like, imagine you're over at your friend's house playing, and all the other people are like, hey, we're going to fuck with Billy and make him think we're all raptured. So they would get like piles of their clothes and like Billy would go to the bathroom and they would come back See, out. See, I'm and they telling would you, leave. go to the bathroom. You got to hurry <laughs> going it, to go, the bathroom. You got yeah. to be on it, damn it. Yeah, so Billy goes to the bathroom. He comes out. All his friends hide in the closet. Everything's quiet. He comes out. It's all quiet. And there's piles of their clothes all over the place. He's thinking <laughs> they've gone to heaven. He's done something wrong. And so now he's crying his eyes out. I'm laughing at it. But to them, it's horrible. So if you're raptured, you're naked. You're being pulled up to heaven butt-ass naked. That's usually what happens is there's like piles of their clothes left behind. Okay. God wants you naked. That's kinky. Yeah. God likes the full Monty, don't you know? Uh You know him and his whole penis obsession. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. He does have a bit of a penis obsession. We've covered that in a previous podcast or two. Yeah. What I find fascinating 
about this kind of thing is that, yeah, you can joke about it and make fun of it. But for somebody else, it is the reality that they're living in. That is the reality that they've been given since the moment right. they were born that this will happen. You have to watch out because any small slight you make might make yeah. it. So you're going to stay here with all the sinners and we're all going to be going there. And you can imagine as a kid, being left alone is one of the scariest things where you're just like, if you walked into your house, and suddenly no one was there and all you saw was piles of clothes and you called for them and nobody was coming. That's basically a nightmare. And for these kids that grew up in these fundamentalist, extreme religious societies, this is the reality that they're living in. It, even for non-fundamentalists, but hardcore Catholics, mm -hmm. uh, I've done a lot of research. This is a topic in particular I find very fascinating. And um, you mentioned OCD behavior, where people that specifically were Catholics had this huge amount of guilt. And it was like, well, whatever sins you did could be washed away by communion or, and forgiveness and, and getting absolved and going to confession. But it'd be like, if the rapture happens between when I last confessed and I'm washed from my sins or not. Mm. And uh, I, I don't have any studies, but I've heard enough uh, Catholics say that as a result of an extremely Catholic childhood, they did develop OCD behaviors, yeah, ritualistic and, behaviors. Yeah, they would have to confess over and over and over again, yeah. like any small thing. They would feel like I would, I have to run and get this out before anything happens. And then I'm forever yeah. punished by this. Yes. It sucks. Religion. Man, religion is responsible for more trauma than just about anything else. And deaths. Yeah. 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 One of the things that will definitely keep you from being raptured, smoking that sweet, sweet devil's rutabaga. You know what I'm oh, talking dear. about. Oh, yes. Satan's Brussels I sprouts. Do. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. The devil's lettuce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there is some new news coming out about marijuana's. That um, if you smoke it, you don't get into heaven? If you smoke it, you want to listen to Bob Marley and <laughs> feel a little iry uh -huh. and I don't know, maybe just stare at a wall or a blinking light for an hour. Thanks to some guys at UCLA, they are on the verge of making a marijuana breathalyzer. What? What? Oh. Mm -hmm. Because it's, okay. so it's being legalized in so many states and yeah. it is illegal to drive while high and everything like that. They don't have a instant test like they do for alcohol, where you can blow into the breathalyzer and it'll tell you how much alcohol you potentially have in your system, right? They would have to do a urine or blood test, but that requires having to bring them in. They would have to really suspect that somebody is high and mm -hmm. bring them in, do the urine test, do the blood test. But then at that point, you know, they've processed some of it out of their system. So you don't know. Right. So researchers have been trying to come up with a way to field test for THC. And what they found is they've created this THC-powered fuel cell sensor, which if THC is introduced to one side of the device, it's like this H-shaped device. It's made out of glass. And the THC, when it comes in contact with whatever chemical is in there, it is oxidized into what's called THCQ, which sends electrons across the chamber to this other positively charged electrode. And they can tell how much THC is in your system by how strong the current is within the device. At some point, I'm sure just like with alcohol, they're going to set up guidelines like you can have smoked this much and be okay to drive. They can't do it now because there's no way to... 
definitively say how much you've smoked, but like with alcohol, if like you have a blood alcohol content of 0.08, then you're legally drunk. They are going to create some sort of measure. You are legally high now, sir. Whatever that measure is, I don't know how much weed I will need to smoke to be legally high. So in specific, this gets applied to uh, making sure that you don't have to pay for workman's comp so that you can be off the hook. So you test someone the second there is an accident and you have them breathe into this. and They're like, aha, you are legally responsible because you consumed marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually was just reading not that long ago about a employee who got injured on the job and his owner, the the boss, the owner of the company, was taking him to the ER uh-huh. and was like, oh, man, I'm so worried for you. Are you in pain? And the employee's like, yeah, I just had a major accident. Uh-huh. And the boss is like, let me help you. We can stop at a liquor store real quick and you uh, get you some alcohol and you can drink it for the pain. Mm-hmm. And the, the, yes, absolutely true. <laughs> and the employee was in so much pain. I don't know what it was, shattered leg, something. And he thought his boss was being nice. And he said, yes. And he got the alcohol and drank it for the pain. And then the boss finished getting him to the ER uh-huh. and then was off the hook. And it's like, I don't have to pay workman's comp because up. you can test him. He's liquored up. Wow. So th- they want to. so fucked up. It's so fucked like, up. Yeah, you're bleeding profusely, you're bleeding. but let's make a beer run real quick. And, uh, you know, and the guy's like, oh, what a great boss. Thank you, man. I'm in so much pain. And the boss really is like, I just. a cold re- one right now, buddy. I, just, I really care. Like, I know you're in pain. We're going to get you to the hospital, but you're going to be in the ER. Like, it's going to take a while for them to give you painkillers. Uh-huh. Like, I don't want you suffering. Let's just pop at the corner store real quick. And the guy's like, thank you, boss. And he gets in there and he's like, test this guy. He's been drinking. And the boss didn't have to pay for any sort of workman's comp. That reminds me of an old joke. I don't know. If, hmm. Do you want to hear it? Do our well, listeners want to hear it? What's the, is it, well, is it good? Is it a good joke? I think it's a funny joke. Is it a groaner? Nah, maybe. I don't know. You can decide. All right. So, so there is this priest and another man driving on this isolated road and some crazy freak accident happens where both cars just run straight into each other and just smash to bits. But both the man and the priest walk away from the car wreck. And the priest looks at the man. And he's like, this is a miracle. They're like, we should both be dead right now. Our cars are completely decimated. We should not be here. This is a miracle. This is God intervening. And the guy's like, yeah, I guess so. And the priest says, you know, we have to celebrate this miracle. And he pulls out the communion wine. He's like, here, drink with me. We have to celebrate God in this miracle. And he hands the bottle to the guy. And the guy takes a big swig and hands it back to the priest. And he puts the cap back on, puts it back in his pocket. And the guy says to the priest, well, aren't you going to drink to the miracle as well? And the priest says, yes but I'm going to wait till after the police report. Yes. Okay, that's actually pretty close. That's a good joke. Uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Joke. Till after the police report. Yeah, yeah. That's what. Well, evidently, the boss had heard that joke and he decided to put <laughs> it into practice. So yes, you you do legally, you do that as an employer. You're like, oh, let me test anyone I can to not pay disability, to not pay workman's comp. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it, nope, they, they were on the devil's lettuce. Yeah. Well, it's coming down the pike. Just so mm-hmm. people are aware, we are just around the corner from actually having a THC breathalyzer. Other news from the marijuana front. Mm-hmm. There is currently a lawsuit going on in federal court between a company that is operating in California at a Fulton and a large equity holding company called Thor Equities, who is based out of New York, who is leasing the building to the people who are renting it in California. They're suing them for breach of rental contract in federal court 
but it comes down to the company saying federal court can't decide this decision because what we're doing is illegal under federal law. So they have no jurisdiction under it because if they did take it on, then they would have to say this is a legitimate suit. The business that these guys are in, this contract that they signed to be able to have this space to sell an illegal substance under federal law uh, is okay. okay. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. thereby saying, yes, we're, we're taking on this suit. They're engaged in illegal activity, but we're still going to take it on. Then it's kind of validating the, the business activity. that they're in and yeah. the contract that these people signed because they were giving them a place to perform illegal activities. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of it, so so if they go ahead and say, no, we have the authority to do this, it might open up wider legalization for marijuana mm -hmm. because the government's like, okay, I guess we are reviewing this. It's a legal activity, but we're still kind of going through with it. If they reject it and say, yeah, we don't have jurisdiction, what you guys are doing is illegal, and this contract isn't enforceable under federal law, then it limits people wanting to invest in marijuana. Because if I give you a whole bunch of money to mm -hmm. go open up a cooperative and to sell and whatever, and for some reason you run away with the money, I now have no recourse to sue you in federal court if the court's mm -hmm. like, what you guys were doing was illegal and we have no jurisdiction. We're not going to touch it as yeah. a result. So yeah. it's, it's a huge case that's going on right now because of this. Because if it goes one way, then it's really good for the marijuana industry. I mean, it's bad for these guys because they'll probably get sued and have to pay their landlord their money. But it's good for the marijuana industry because the U.S. is saying, okay, yeah, even though it's illegal we, activity, we're still kind of acknowledging it as a legitimate right. business contract. If it goes the other way, then it's going to dry up funding for marijuana. So I was reading about that. I thought it was just an incredibly interesting case how it, everything all if you look at all legal precedent it usually comes down to these just minor cases and mm -hmm. however way it goes will set the precedent going forward until some other yeah. case comes up as long as we're on the topic of marijuana mm -hmm. um i have some opium in the sewers for you all right i mean i've done stranger drugs but i'll take your sewer opium so here's the thing there once was a dildo in Nantucket. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, what is... What's what is... the rest of the limerick? That's my... Right. That's my okay. No, no, that's the... That's, there is no limerick. The, oh. the dildo in Nantucket, right? Yeah. Ties into opium in the sewers. Okay. So, Elaborate. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I would be honored to do so. I'll see if I can do come you... up with a limerick after I hear the full story. Do you know what a he's at home is? <laughs> no idea what a he's at home. He's at home is a euphemism for dildos. Okay. So Nantucket had a very large whaling industry. And if you were the wife of a whaler, you could be separated from your husband for seven or eight years mm -hmm. at a time. The husbands would go away like, oh, tally-ho, my dear. I'm off to a sea voyage to go hunt whales. Um, I went into this deep dive of this dildo that was found in a chimney when they were doing remodeling. Uh -huh. And it was found, it's it's actually really cool. It had these letters that a husband and wife had written. It had the dildo. It had a laudum bottle. Okay. This woman's most precious possessions, which were basically opium. Opium letters, and dildo and letters and letter, from her husband. Letters, for, letters from her husband. 
a dirty and frayed shirt collar and a pipe. Hmm. They had been hidden in a chimney. Uh, they also contained letters from her husband to Grover Cleveland. So th these were her most precious possessions. And what would happen is that the husbands would go away and they were like, oh, you can't you can't cheat on him, but uh -huh. you still have sexual needs. Yeah. And there were actually advertisements in, in the, at the time in the newspaper where men would say, ladies, are you lonely and do you want company? For 25 cents, I will spend the night so you could have a man in the bed. So whether or not sexual shenanigans were happening. Uh -huh. Just a warm these, body. Uh, just a warm body in the bed. And, and men would basically rent their bodies out and like, fear not. Dear maiden, I will. I you can have a man in the bed next to you now. Whether or not the shenanigans happened, birth control was not super effective, so you didn't dare get pregnant while your husband was out at sea for three years. Mm -hmm. How do you explain a baby when it comes back? Mm -hmm. The workarounds is that these women were using dildos. They were smoking opium. So, so that's the other thing: smelling is that... a shirt collar and then <laughs> fucking himself with a dildo. Well. Uh, I had heard before, I hadn't heard references to he's at home, uh -huh. and I hadn't heard references to men putting ads in the newspapers saying, don't worry, you know, lonely ladies, I will come by and spend the night in the bed with you so you can have a man in the house if you're, if you're lonely. But what all of these women started doing is they started taking opium daily. And I had heard this reference before where someone was describing these women, and it, it was... As an 18th century French visitor to Nantucket noted, a singular custom prevails here among the women. They have ab adopted these many years the Asianic custom of taking a dose of opium every morning, and so deeply rooted is it that they would be at a loss for how to live without this indulgence. Hmm. And they found when they were redoing the sewers, tons of opium and laudanum bottles that had gone down the sewers. Mm -hmm. So basically these women dealt with the boredom and the and the loneliness and having to wait, you know, three years for their husband to get back. Uh -huh. All of Nantucket, these whalers' wives were fucking themselves with dildos, renting boys for company for the night and taking opium every day. Wow. And opium became a huge part of their culture as a way to lower their sex drive and make them less bored and lonely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I actually have a, a, a so, really- So I think I have the limerick now. Okay, what's the limerick? There once was a dildo in Nantucket mm -hmm. whose lonely whaler's wife would fuck it. She'd turn off the light, get a boy for the night. Since her husband wasn't there to screw her, all her opium wound up in the sewer. <laughs> It's actually quite good. You like that? You like no, my limerick? I like that. All right. I want to sh show you a picture of the box that was found. I uh, will share this image. This will probably be the cover image for this episode. All right. Forward that along to me and I so, will share it with our listeners. A box of, of precious, precious dildos and and letters uh, to go over Cleveland and laudum <laughs> bottles. Just do a bunch of opium, fuck myself with this dildo and read these letters to Grover. Cleveland. That's that sounds like a fine romantic evening. There was no internet. Just lay there, boy. I need this. <laughs>
you had to be creative. So I, I had heard that opium had become a huge part of their culture, mm. but I hadn't done enough research to realize that they had taken to opium to deal with the fact that if you're in a relationship and you can't get laid anywhere else and you're not going to see your husband for five years, you're like, fuck it, hand me that opium. Yeah. So now you know what a he's at home is. Now I know what a he's at home. Fascinating. I bring the research. Yes. A segue, as long as we're on the topic. A little side of, piece. Little little side piece. Well, mm, this nothing is, wrong with having a little side piece. <laughs> uh, this side piece is a puppet butthole that's worth thirty thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. So, are you curious I'm, how a puppet run butthole could be worth thirty k? I mean, I'm hoping that it squeezes pretty hard. <laughs> I don't know if you've had a chance to catch the latest homoerotic bro-mance comedy come out called Bros. I have not. So it flopped. Yeah, uh, so I'm among many people that have not seen many it. Many people that have not seen it. Okay. And uh, it, it was the first real attempt at a male uh, romantic comedy. Mm, okay. And it, uh, I guess there's a number of reasons why it could flop. But one of the things I could say is that the budget spiraled out of control and they filmed an entire scene with a $30,000 sphincter, a mm. butt rig, a butthole rig to do a, a rimming scene. Much like the and mermaid puss. Yes. I was just about to mention. Thank okay, you. The mermaid puss. I love The Lighthouse. It's one of my favorite movies yes, of all you time. You waxed poetically. It's, oh, it's so, yes. it's so good. And one of the things they had in it was a... a mermaid vagina mm -hmm. for more information listen to our previous episode the and these devices these movie devices need puppeteers to run it and manipulate it so you have the mermaid vagina puppeteer that would make it fluffle in i guess the right manner and you have a sphincter yes. puppeteer so is that in the movie credits i want to look at the end i no. may go see the movie just to see in the end credits like sphincter puppeteer that's that's so a the genuine job cut. title the scene got cut. Hmm. So they they built a a rimming butt rig at a cost of $30,000 so they could film this rimming scene and they had a a sphincter puppeteer. Uh -huh. And then after filming it, when they went to put it in the movie, they found out that the movie, The White Lotus, had done the same thing, but they'd basically beat them to the punch. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, if there is a rimming scene in The White Lotus that it's already been done, then we're not going to put this rimming scene in our movie. And they cut it out. Mm -hmm. Imagine being the puppeteer who's done all the work <laughs> to make this, this rimming scene. I built this handcrafted sphincter, this anus, I poured yes. my life and soul into this thing. And poured their life and soul, and the scene got left on the cutting room floor. Oh. It's so tragic sad. so much i would have done it if they you know, they could have used my sphincter for a couple hundred bucks and a hot meal <laughs> just putting that uh, out there yeah okay noted all right cast and call if you don't want to spend 30k on a butthole you're gonna break into the movies somehow my my co-host is available and his sphincter is only a couple hundred dollars Very and one hot available. meal mm -hmm. <laughs> and reasonably priced <laughs> reasonably priced as long and as long as we're on the topic, all offers of entertained. Anyways, I got, I got more butts yes. for you. Yes. Do, you more do you want some more butt? Bring on the butt. All right. So before I got laid low with the plague, I had wanted to talk about the cheating chess player. Yes. Who has been accused of cheating by using a remote control anal operated anal vibrator that would buzz 
So someone would have to be watching when these matches are happening and they're mm-hmm. happening live. You as the viewer can see both sides of it, but the person playing can only see their side. Mm-hmm. So the advantage is if you have someone who's watching it real time and knows what's happening on the other side, if they have some way to signal to you, then that then you know what's ha- what's happening. It gives you more information. Mm-hmm. So you got to have someone who's there and is pressing the buttons. And it's like, bzz, bzz. oh, okay. I don't know if you recall the big poker scandal that happened where the woman supposedly had a vibrating ring on her finger and her coach was giving her tips. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw the footage where she takes the ring, she's fiddling with it, uh-huh. and she puts her hand under the table and looks really guilty. And then when she takes her hand back up, this gaudy red ruby ring is gone. Uh-huh. So cheating does happen. Mm-hmm. And this fellow who's being You're not accused, cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> Uh, disagree, but, um, you and I don't see eye to eye on that one. Sometimes I have to call you to reality or you could actually also be trying by being really good at what you do and not sticking something up your butt and having someone biz you secret. So then you have to also know Morse code because the information is contained via Morse code. So you have to be closing your eyes and translating Morse code (laughs) through your sphincter. God damn it. Right, right. Buzz, 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 Uh right. But it can't be so loud that other people can hear it, but you have to feel the internal sensations and translate Morse code inside you. Mm -hmm. So it's tricky, right? You, I mean, I guess you really are trying. That takes a lot of practice. That's That takes a lot of practice. If somebody can pull that off, if somebody learns anal Morse code, I say more power to them. They they deserve to win. If you go to the you could just get lengths, to be a better chess player. You could put all that energy into improving your chess game. I think and it not would take just as much time to get Morse to become code. a really good chess player as it would to learn Morse code messages buzzed out in your ass. And then you're not dependent on someone sending Morse codes up your sphincter. I'm just saying. Okay. Actually, I'm just. There's a more efficient way to do it because okay. you need I'm to just, recruit saying, someone. I'm, I'm you got to be watching. I'm right, impressed. Okay. If somebody can pull that off, I'm impressed. It's a lot of work. So I wanted to cover this topic last time and you were like, ah, I think it's kind of a widely covered topic. The reason I'm bringing it up now mm-hmm. is that I have photos. You know, when you go through the security at the airport and they have to wand you down. Mm-hmm. So this chess prodigy is getting his butt wanded. Uh-huh. And like the look on his face and it's like whether or not he does have anything up his ass, the fact that now he's known as the dude who is alleged to have vibrating butt things up his ass. So mm-hmm. like we're going to let you in the tournament, but like first turn around, mm-hmm. assume the position and I'm just going to wave this wand over your rump. You suck a is, dick one time and all of a sudden you're, you're a cocksucker. Right, mm-hmm. right, exactly. So- I'm not done yet. I've got more butt stuff for you. So someone saw this photo and it's like, well, what's a workaround? If you really want to cheat and you've learned the anal Morse code and you have the partner who's going to watch it real time and give you Morse code tips, but you don't want your vibrating butt thing to set off a metal detector, the solution is to build one out of glass and plastic that won't set off the detector. And someone has done just that. So they built a glass test tube with a whole vibrating system that is designed not to trigger a metal detector. Okay. They couldn't find any uh, available human butts that were willing to be a guinea pig for this situation. So they put it in a slab of pork. And I have a photo of this tube hanging out of a like in just slid tight into the pork mm-hmm. and they tested it and it passes through metal detectors and indeed buzzes very well. 
Now, what they said is that it buzzes so well, it's so effective with the buzzing that they are worried that it would be audible if someone was playing. Uh So you need to have something that doesn't trigger the metal detectors, but also isn't so loud that people can't hear your butt vibrating. I would say that it's so difficult to cheat in this manner that it's not even worth it. Because if you have to learn anal Morris code, have like a degree in material science, (laughs) build some sort of non-metallic vibrating butt insert... Uh, yes. this, I mean, like I said, if anybody were to pull that off, <laughs> I would, I, I think they Nobel Prize. My, if I were on the committee, if I were Swedish, Nobel Prize. Yep. For your, for your vibrating metal oh, yes. free butt device. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm going to finish. I'm, oh, go I'm really, I'm just really enjoying it. You just got to give me a moment. I got some visuals All in right. my head. I'm sure you do. I just, I loved, I loved doing research for this episode. I had so much fun. It was full of pork and butts and opium. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I go like on. pork butt personally. I'm going to finish you off. I'm going to finish our listeners off with just one last Ooh. little thing. The grand finale. I don't know how grand it is. It's like a little melody. Uh, you were talking about bromance before. I was. And according to a recent study, guys who play extreme metal guitar might be in some- Do it for the chicks. Do it, do it for, the- for some sort of bromance, actually. What? Yeah. The guys that usually will play guitar might be doing it for the chicks because there is this cliche that guys will start playing music and like, I pick up the guitar because it impresses the girls. And That's I was, what John Lennon said. Yeah. He said, you you play guitar. I mean, you become a musician so that you can get the pussy. Yeah. Well, I was, reading this, full, I was reading this full study that they came out with and they cited all these other studies. And one of the studies they cited was that guys who are holding a guitar in their Facebook profile girls are more likely to accept their friend request if they have their guitar with them in their Facebook profile. So I this is because chicks dig a guy that plays guitar. Chicks dig skill. Uh, they like talent. They like skill. It doesn't have to be guitar. But like if crossbow you're good skills, at something, like bow staff yeah. skills, that if kind of stuff. If you're good at a skill, Steve chicks do skills. dig that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they love skills. Humor's a skill when they're like, be funny, because not everyone can be funny. Chicks do like a skilled man. I can be funny sometimes. There you go. Chicks chicks will dig me in my sense of humor. Hmm. And do you have a guitar too? I I do have a guitar. Well, you're set. I can play the jaw harp. Ooh. Chicks dig a guy who can play the jaw harp. (laughs) That's right, ladies. That's what I heard. Accepting all offers. (laughs) Anyways, these guys who are playing extreme metal guitar... They are doing it to impress other men, not to impress the ladies. Say what? Yes. This study took a sample group of 44 heterosexual males, and they gave them a number of different questionnaires. They wanted to find why they had invested so much time and energy into developing this technical guitar skill, because extreme metal usually playing very fast, very complex things. They surveyed them about their practicing habits, their sexual behavior, and feelings of competitiveness toward the same sex. What they found, what the survey says, is that there is an indication that time spent playing chords predicted desire for casual sex with women. So a guy who's just sitting there playing some chords and be like, yeah, let's just, you know, play some, let's play some Bob Dylan. They just want the chicks but the people that are playing extremely fast, like very intricate speed metal 
type stuff, the most extreme out there, fastest metal, are having some sort of intersexual competitiveness with other guys. So they're doing it to impress the other guys, or it can be almost aggressive and be like, oh yeah, you think you're good? Look, look how fast I can play this fucking lick. Right. So it's them uh-huh. being, it's, it's, it's a field of competitiveness instead of like going out and battling each other like gladiators would and just like okay. hitting each other. They're like, well, I'm going to play faster and louder and more metal. I'm going to be more metal than you. I'm like, no, man, I'm more metal than you. So they're doing it to impress the other guys and get attention from other people, particularly because in the extreme metal scene, there isn't a lot of women. There women, is not. Women no, aren't listening. How many, how many women do you know that listen to extreme metal? Is thin on the ground, just just trim in general, just thin, not a lot. Mm-hmm. So, so they're not necessarily doing it to get the girls; they're doing it to oh, impress the other guys. Okay. And they they had I tell you the study was fascinating when I read the whole study. I read a breakdown of it, but I was said to myself, I need to read the whole study. And they found that the predictor of how many extreme metal bands and guitar players there are in a country comes down to how many men between the age of 15 and 25 there are in the country. So the the bigger the number of men between 15 and 25 there are in the country, the more likely there will be more extreme metal bands in that country just because it's these young guys in their late okay. teens, early 20s who are just like, I'm going to fucking shred and you're going to notice how much I'm shredding. <laughs> so there you have it. These extreme metal guitarists okay. are kind of in a bromance with each other. Aww. I, I mean, there's there's not, I don't know, the amount of women I know that are into extreme metal is zero. Mm-hmm. So they would, the men would have to be playing for each other to uh, to impress each other. Okay. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. That's uh, uh, touching in, I guess, mm-hmm. an odd way. Hashtag metal romance. <laughs> this was a good uh, episode. I really enjoyed doing the research. I got a lot of uh, fun stuff. Yeah. I learned a lot. Cool. Uh I'm gonna, a lot of opium and butts. I'm going to run off and practice learning Morse code. <laughs> My butt, I suppose. I mean, that's a skill. Chick stuff skills. Skill. I could Chick use that at the singles skills. bar. Yeah. Hey, you know, hey, baby. Type out a message Team. in Morse code. I'll tell you what you're saying. <laughs> might be, I might grimace a little bit. I'll let you know what you said. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try that next time. I'm going to pick up a girl if my whole hey i need to impressive range of skills i need to taste your vagina for science it doesn't work (laughs) that's a good callback i know exactly what you're talking about it's very nice i want to thank everyone for lending their ear holes to us so that we could pack them full of buttholes and opium and bromances Mm mm-hmm I got a lot out of it. I'm going to be sending you the photo of the he's at home. There once in Nantucket. That was a very good limerick. Oh, you came thank up you very with much. on the fly. Yeah. That's another skill. Chicks dig that. Ooh, they do. Chicks dig my yeah, lipopin yeah. skills. <laughs> we uh, will right. catch well, also, you all. I'm just going to say, I just want to say before you give them their jaunty salute, mm-hmm. go smoke yourself some reefer while you can still get away with it. Oh, right, right. Before the testing comes before out. Before the man sure. tries to comes put you to- down. Right. Got to watch out for the man. Yeah. All right. I got a jaunty salute. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Over and out. We will catch you next week. Bye-bye.